Welcome to Featured Insights, presented by Caroline Economic Development. I'm your host, Debbie Bowden. This podcast is for all size businesses in Caroline County and the Eastern Shore of Maryland to learn from experts at the local, state, and national level. We hope that you gain insights that can help your business run more effectively. Hi, Dan Schneckenberger. Hi, Debbie Bowl Bowden. Excuse me. <laughs> I have a Debbie Bowden or uh, Bolden in my uh, in my staff, and we always get the name mixed up. Even the emails get mixed up. Sometimes. You know, I sometimes have gotten her email when it pops up. You know that yeah. auto um, put in the the two. Um, so I'm very familiar with her. She's a great person. Um, but thank you for for joining us today. Thank um, you for having me. You are the executive director of the Upper Shore Workforce Investment Board. Um, I'm going to ask that you kind of share what that means and, you know, what you do for the community, the community that you serve, et cetera. But you're new to that role. And I think that you have a little bit of history of public service before that and working in business. So you bring that unique perspective of bringing government-funded programs to the business community and having served or having been as an employer yourself. So go ahead and share what the Upper Shore Workforce Investment Board is and does, and we'll just talk a little bit about how you can help Caroline County businesses. Sure, thank you. Um, the Upper Shore Workforce Investment Board is one of many workforce investment boards around the state of Maryland and the, the country. And okay. we, uh, we are fed- federally funded uh, through the Department of Labor, Employment and, and Training Administration, okay. uh, mainly from a standpoint of Title One. Okay, and Title One is is defined as providing screening and qualifying people for workforce training scholarships. Okay, and part of that is is understanding not only the economic uh, area, which for us Upper Shore is. Kent, Queen Anne's, Caroline, Talbot, and Dorchester County. So that's our Workforce Investment Board focus area, but also focus on in-demand industries okay. that need employees or need trained employees. More, more, more importantly. Yeah. So, so that's our that's our main role. Uh, but you know, part part of my role is to understand both the economic development challenges for businesses in, in each one of those five counties. And ultimately, also understand what what is the workforce availability, mm-hmm. where are their skill gaps, and how we can match them together with with the workforce needs and in, in individual uh, counties. Right. So it's all about uh, that supply and demand, which is kind of like the very basic tenet of business and economic development. And right now, there's a higher demand. The labor market is tight. There's a higher demand for the workforce. Um, and, you know, years ago and maybe years forward, there will be a higher demand for jobs. But it all focuses around if you have an individual that wants to get into something that they need the education and the training for or change their careers, your organization helps with that scholarship. So that's not a barrier. So before we get a little bit more into how you are working, um, some of the examples of things that you're doing to remove those barriers, both from an employer and employee standpoint, talk a little bit about your history. I mentioned that you're a public servant and that you were in the private sector. 
Uh, have been an elected official, uh, served on county council for four years, just north of here in Cecil County. Uh, have also worked in administrative roles for Cecil County government, uh, but also uh, did uh, a, a very large workforce component in uh, the Tampa, Florida area, where we were very well connected with the Economic Development mm. uh, Advisory Board with uh, the city of Tampa and Hillsborough County. Um, also served as ex officio uh, in Cecil County to our Economic Development uh, Commission. Uh, and from a private sector uh, standpoint, have worked a lot in construction okay. and skilled trades, particularly the mechanical contracting area, uh, ultimately from pre-construction all the way to full implementation uh, from that standpoint. So I understand that industry very well. I understand manufacturing very well. But overall, the overall concepts of, of what uh, you know, economic development does what, how government can interface to assist employers and mm-hmm. also attracting and retaining these employers and keeping them healthy. Uh, you know, from that standpoint, so lots, lots of little pieces that bring together uh, to bring to this role, uh, ultimately on the upper shore and saying, how can we? continue to grow the economy? How can we get people employed as best we can? And ultimately, get the people employed to be successful. So do they have the skill sets for those employers to say, hey, this was a good choice, and and we're going to continue to keep them, and they're helping our company Mm -hmm. grow. So I think that some of the barriers from an employee standpoint – are certainly money, and that's something you talked about with the scholarship. But it, then it's also time. But a lot of times, um, in my very little you know conversation with people who want to change jobs at all levels of skill and and professionalism, um, you know, it's just taking that first step. So um, you know, I want to right now. I'm in government, but I eventually want to become a project manager for construction company. That just making that decision and going, yep, let's go ahead and do that. Uh, sometimes that can be daunting, but knowing that there's services like the Upshore Workforce Investment Board that can help with the other piece. Like I don't have to go find the tens of thousands of dollars I would need to be able to go to school or get a, a certain amount of training. Um, talk a, a little bit then about, to, so I gave just this broad kind of example, but narrow it down because you mentioned manufacturing, you mentioned construction as some of the, your own personal um, experiences. Let's take an example of somebody that is um, currently in a manufacturing site. Uh, sector. Um, we'll just say Jim. Jim's in a, working for a manufacturer, and he hears that um, you know working construction it could be a better quality of life for him. If he came to the Workforce Investment Board, how would you work with him to get to his goal? Well, one one of, one of the tenets of uh, Title One Service is an individual career counseling. That wow. is that is done virtually in any workforce investment board amongst the state and and, in the country. And what we do, and we have very trained people who will sit down with folks and really discuss what what they're looking for. And and ultimately, we we know the best success of of a person in in a new job is something they want to do. 
right? So we we ask them lots of questions. Like, do you? Um, oh, so you, you, you want to be a project manager? Or do you uh, do you have any financial background? You're going to have to run a budget. Do you mm. do you can you work well with others? Can you coordinate and lead other contractors to complete a project? Uh, are you good with deadlines? Can you can you manage once this part of the work is done, you pivot to another one? Can you complete? things is that yeah. is that a motivator for you to complete things so we we, we have these in-depth conversations to really make sure they understand yes that's what i want to do or i you know i understand those issues and i'm and i i want training or i want i want to be able to move forward to be successful i want to i want to go back to this because I, I was not aware at the depth that the Shore Workforce Investment Board would bring, and I'm going to start calling it the WIB, which is a common um, acronym we use for that, would bring for someone. So you get your career counseling in school, right, when you're a part of a student, uh, either at college or high school. But you're saying that an adult can come to the WIB and get that kind of counseling. Sure. And, and, no and frankly, it's it's part of federal law uh, from okay. a Title I perspective. Uh, we do not do group counseling. We do not say, hey, we have 10 applicants. Let's bring them all in a room and we'll we'll just kind of, you know, talk about general generalities, about what people want to do, even though it might be 10 different areas they're interested in. Sure. The individual piece is key because wow. we can actually steer some people away because, and particularly in healthcare, we have some folks that come in, I want to help people, I, I, I like sure. serving. But then when you say, hey, you may have to work nights or you may have to work weekends because it's a 24-7 they didn't know that, or or suddenly that doesn't fit their lifestyle. Right. And we can actually move them away from something where they go, hey, that wasn't what I thought it was. Right, right. Or maybe find an interest area that would fit their lifestyle. You know, work-life balance is very important for any job seeker or anybody looking to change careers. It's 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 frankly much more important. Then even five years ago, COVID shook a lot of that up where yeah. people want to say, hey, you know, we, we've heard a lot about remote working. You know, some folks want to, that might be the top priority. And sure. part of that career canceling, well, I want to be remote worker. Well, maybe you cannot do this type of occupation because right. it means you have to be in an office or you have to be on a job site or, or any number of things. Manufacturing, very tough. Right. You have to show up to the floor. You have to be part of a team that actually starts with raw materials and ends up with a finished product. So sometimes those fits are not not perfect. But right. you know that's part of the career counseling conversation because we want them to be successful, and we are audited on our success rate from a standpoint who completes a training, who gets a credential. Very gotcha. important in our business right. to say you've achieved it, you have a credential. And what we tell folks, a lot of these credentials are door openers to get the job. Yeah, yeah. You have to you have to have it in a lot of occupations. And so we, we talk about those quite a bit. Welders, for example, you need to have certain certifications to be able to weld for a company. Um, so... We can offer workforce training that allows them to get these mm-hmm. certifications where then the employer says, oh, you, you have everything I need. Right. We can put you to work tomorrow. So come on in and let's, let's, 
let's uh, let's join forces. Right, and I think that that's important because we're kind of focusing in this conversation right now on the employee. But when you have that employee that already has an idea of what to expect from a work life balance, what is expected from an education and knowledge perspective, uh, what's it expected from a skills perspective, and they go into an employer, they are 50%. We all have been onboarded. We understand. You go through the interview process, you do all your due diligence, but both sides are still building a relationship that may or may not work. And you're giving both sides, the employer and the employee, an opportunity to get over that first hurdle and be able to know that they're going to have a sustained working relationship. So you've mentioned the training. Talk a a little bit about that because you said scholarship and training. And so let's take Jim again. So he's come in, he's talked to a counselor one-on-one, and yes, he wants to get into construction. Um, He needs X, Y, and Z classes. How do you, how does the WIB help him with that? Well, you know, Part of that is, you know, uh, a lot of discussions will revolve around career paths. What, okay. what is the pathway to get you to where you want to be? That's kind of a new word, too, by the way, isn't it? It used to be called how do you move up in a company, yeah. but now career pathway. Okay. Right. And, and a lot of these can, can even start with exposure in, in, in the schools from a standpoint. Say you're interested in healthcare. Um, you may decide, hey, I want a healthcare job right out of school, right out of high school. I, I don't want to go to college yet. I want to see what it's like. So we can say, here's the number of applic- number of occupations you can go in without any kind of associate's degree or bachelor's degree. Then we can show them if you want to do something else, you, you're going to need an associate's degree like an LPN, licensed practical nurse. And ultimately, if you want to go and become – uh, a registered nurse, that's a bachelor's degree. If you want to become a physician assistant, that may involve some sort of uh, master's type mm-hmm. uh, program. Just to give people a flavor for, you know, we, we've had people come in and say, yeah, I want to be a nurse, you know, set me up. And, you know, we we focus on non-credit credential-based training. Okay. So okay. a lot of these fit what we're talking about. Uh, like certified nursing assistant, certified medical assistant in healthcare, sure. welders, carpenters, electricians, things of this nature in the skilled trades or manufacturing. Sure. But ultimately, that gets that gives them the qualifications to get their foot in the door to get hired, and then from there see what what else is available at that mm-hmm. company or that industry that we further could assist with with additional trainings to do that. So so we can walk that through sure. with a candidate. But we you know, we usually start with the first class. Here's welding might involve four different classes to get all the certifications. You know, we'll start with the first one, achieve that and move on up mm-hmm. this pathway till you're finally you get all the certifications you need and Trust me, even in Caroline County, there's going to be employers begging for your service. Exactly. And I and so the, now we're, we can move on to talking about the employers. How do employers communicate with you? How do they let you know, the WIB know, what they need? A lot of them has to be things that we do outreach. Gotcha. Um, you know, most employers, I would tell you, uh, they can be very involved with, with – 
things that your department is doing and going out, but they really may not necessarily know what we do, how we can assist them. Sure. So one, one thing we did uh, recently, we know manufacturing is a very good industry in Caroline County. In fact, some of the best manufacturers in the state reside in Caroline County. And I learned that the first few months of my job and seeing the kind of workforce needs, the mm-hmm. growth they were doing, the backlog of work, just really tremendous stories. And so ultimately, it was like, hey, you guys need to be more involved with us. We need to understand what you're doing. And, and that could be visits. That could be engaging in our activities like job fairs. But ultimately, uh, I decided, hey, let's do a manufacturing consortium. Yep. And we did one April 13th. Um, we had, I want to say, five um, manufacturers from Caroline County uh, come to that. And, you know, it was really, here's what we see your industry. We, we need feedback on what you're looking for. Right. What, what is the perfect entry-level candidate that you're looking for? What kind of skill sets would they have? How can us and, you know, our partner, Chesapeake College, tailor programs and trainings to bring you that right. pipeline of, of people that you need that can go be employed? And then you can not only help them, you're helping the county, you're helping your company. That's really the guts of our job. That was, that was a great event. And, and I, you, I thank you for calling out the manufacturers from Caroline County. But what you did is bring their peers in from your service area. So there was manufacturing. And there are some famous manufacturers. Dixon Val from Kent County was there. Um, all, all five Upper Shore Counties have an yeah. excellent manufacturing community. And, and so and, they were able to share. Right. And you finally, you bring that up, and we did a 15-minute break, and I felt like the networking that was going on, I, I finally, after 20 minutes, I was like, time out, time out. We, exactly. You, know, you guys yeah. are going to be here all day. Right. But that's what you wanted to see. That's right. That's and, right. And it was really, really, you know, very uh, basic on that level. But, you know, we're going to continue to do some follow-up. A consortium doesn't end with one meeting. It's more of a progress what else have we? What else have we learned? Chesapeake College is going to stand up an advanced manufacturing training program that's mm-hmm. credentialed. Uh, they've made a new hire for that. We're going to work directly with that person and that curriculum to say, "Hey, here's what we're hearing from the consortium. Let's be sure we're touching these topics." Exactly. So these graduates will be pretty well rounded and can go in a variety of types of manufacturing because manufacturing is so diverse and so you're providing that information again for the the supply for the employee and for the demand the jobs that are out there i think we need to have you back because we could dig into what the workforce investment board can bring to the community um, in, in multiple segments and so we'll we'll do that but before we wrap up what are you seeing in the next like for the rest of 2023 and into 2024 as kind of what you can provide to the employees and to the employers. Are there major, major changes coming along? Do you have to continue with your outreach? But what do you see? What's on your to-do list, Dan? One thing uh, that the WIB does, and it probably doesn't get promoted enough, we have labor market information. It's one area that we pay attention quite a bit for any industry. What are, what are trends? Yep. What are growth trends in this region that we should pay attention to? What are things in the economy, such as a possible recession, 
that we want to pay attention to. And everybody loves to hear economists make predictions. Right. <laughs> and, and, and I'd like a certain economist who predicted last year, we're going to be in a recession. This year, he said, next year, we're going to be in a recession. And if he comes back next year, we want him to say, yeah, I think the recession is going to be the following year. Right. Where, you know. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, yeah. you know, when, when you look at that, the one thing I would tell people, what, what are you hearing? Look at the monthly jobs report. In April, it was huge again. You know, until you see that jobs report really shrinking right. down, that's going to be the sign that, okay, something's going to change. Yeah. But I, all the economic indicators, if you look at Caroline County, Upper Shore, whatever happens, it's going to be mild. And it's not going to affect every industry the same. Some industries won't even know it. Right. And that's what we're going to try to pay attention to. In-demand industries, hospitality, healthcare, manufacturing, skilled trades. Skilled trades usually is one of the canaries you look at. Gotcha. You know, building yep. slows down. Architects see less work. These are signs that the first sign that things will slow down. Sure. Interest rates make bank loans much more expensive. So... Lots of folks will be, yeah, I want this new building, but I'm going to hold off. Right, right. And that's the first thing that you start to look for. Um, Beyond that, I think we'll get through into the fall and getting into uh, next year. But the other thing I tell everybody is pay attention to offshore wind Mm. um, off of Ocean City in Maryland and Delaware. It's going to be a big, big employment player. In, In the future years, you'll probably see more of it next year in 2024 but 25 26 27 it's going to dominate a lot of skill sets that gotcha. we will need and also companies that like for example you have one crystal steel right they right. are involved in that industry and they were smart to get in early and they're going to do very well i, I believe as as more of this industry um you know matures yes well, thank you. Thanks for coming in today. We appreciate it. So uh, you, do you want to give some contact information, a website, email? Sure. Um, our website is um, www.uswib.org, O-R-G. Um, my phone number is 410-822-1716. Give that again, please. 410-822-1716. But all my information is on that website. Okay. Even my email, you can reach out at any time. We we do a lot of reporting as part of our role. So yep. we have local plans. We have regional plans. All those are in the process of being updated. So they'll have the most recent information. Uh, it's good bedtime reading if you're, <laughs> if you're having trouble going to sleep. But it may give you some ideas of areas that we're looking at that exactly. maybe – a business would say, "Hey, tell me more about that. Why are you, why are you saying that's a trend, and how can I prepare for that?" And and we'd love to have those, those conversations. Awesome, Dan Schneckenberger. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Debbie. My pleasure. Thank you for listening. Be sure to like and subscribe to Featured Insights, and look for us on your favorite podcast platform.